Hello. I am Steve Relman. I am definitely a real person. Enjoy this week's episode of the Progressive Rugby League Podcast. Progressive Rugby League Hello, it's the Progressive Rugby League podcast back again to bash its way into your brain. And we're back here in the harsh, sterile corporate light of the PRL studios. Uh, Not at uh, Big Al's house this week. There's a distinct lack of Steve Edmed on the walls, unless you brought some posters, Al. Uh, no, but I've got some permanent markers. We can we can start scribbling on the walls. I, I heard your drawings of Steve Edmund are pretty accurate, so we'll yes. go from there. I, I, I like life I pay, drawings. I, yeah, I pay a particular attention to the boobs. Goodness. <laughs> How are we, fellas? Are we good? Are we feeling happy and uh, rugby league focused? I'm quite well. I, I, mean, I can't speak for Big Al, but I'm quite well. And I'd like to say hello to you both and to our international cosmopolitan audience. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great. I'm really excited to, to get stuck into it and talk about uh, the fantastic game that is rugby league. And I'd just like to echo Jono's comments that I'm very happy to be here with you two specifically. Jono on the slug, two great guys. We do our best, Al. Um, all right, well, let's crank straight into our reflection of the NRL round that's just been. And Jono, I'm looking at you. You're looking mm. pensive. Mm. Well, I mean, my reflection, my first reflection... Uh, revolves around, well, it comes from the hill of the Great Henson Park, the Grand Old Girl, wow. where I was sitting on Saturday afternoon enjoying uh, the you know, fierce, bruising sunshine. Do, do um, because we have such a large international cosmopolitan audience, do we need to explain what Henson Park Henson is? Henson Park is the home ground of the uh, Newtown Jets, Australia's oldest club. Um, but some, some would say it's glee. But anyway, I was there on Saturday afternoon enjoying uh, Newtown Jets versus St. George Illawarra. And I thought to myself, I reflected and said to myself, this is what the New South Wales Cup could be. I mean, at the moment, the New South Wales Cup is this hybrid, like sort of like a reserve grade slash standalone competition where there's a bunch of clubs that still have the same branding as the first grade club and there's a a bunch of standalone clubs and there's a couple of old old style clubs. It really, I think um, it's time for someone with a bit of vision to say, hey, look how great Newtown's got uh, gone, uh, who's a, a club that's embraced their community and the community's embraced them, and they're getting, you know, 8,972 fans every week. Every single week. <laughs> every single week, it's without amazing. fail. No, I mean, on the weekend there was a good two or 3,000 people there, lots of kids running around, so they've made it work. It's a great family atmosphere, and why can't this be the norm for the New South Wales Cup? They sort of have it going in the Queensland Cup, all these standalone clubs. You don't necessarily have to be a, a reserve grade team or a reserve grade competition. Um, so I just, I just I was dreaming and uh, mm. imagining a, a better world. I was pretty impressed when you gave us that your estimate for that crowd figure because it's a second tier competition. Yeah, and you know it's getting about a quarter of what some games might get yeah, in the right. in the top tier. Yeah, and and look, like I said, it's. It's a it's a club that has really embraced the community, and the community loves it. And you wouldn't maybe naturally expect a you know a community like Newtown to be into rugby league. And that's one of the that's one of the contradictions we've spoken about a lot. In that rugby league is a progressive sport. It's not perceived that way. But the Newtown public, 
um, really get into it and the surrounding suburbs of Marrickville uh, and more etc so it's a great atmosphere at the pubs before the game and and also at the ground so I just think if we had um, a whole bunch of clubs that all you know represented a, a community and, and really embraced the community the New South Wales Cup could be could be something mm, now to do uh Bit of a callback to last week. Isn't that what we were saying? The Super League, like the idea of the Super League was uh, initially to have a, a no, competition no, no. sitting on top of your. No, Sydney... the, the Super League idea was to like basically cut all the traditional clubs from the top tier and put them in the second tier. I'm not saying Just... that should happen. I'm saying there should be standalone clubs. Like they might be clubs that have um, f- you know faded from the first grade in the past. Like. The Bears, I would have the Bears in there. I would have, obviously, Newtown Jets in there. But um, I don't know why we should have clubs like, um, you know, St. George Illawarra. What, what's that adding to the Could competition? Could you imagine? If, well, if it's the Illawarra sti- Cutters, isn't it? No, it's St. No. George Illawarra. Oh, is it? I'll, t- I'll take you through the teams, actually, while, while we've got a moment. You've got the Western Suburbs Magpies. Yeah, maybe, but are they, like really, are they really representing, you know, a community? Are they really... Uh, well, getting amongst it's, it's it. It's Campbelltown. Yeah. Minto freaks. Okay. Uh, the Warriors, you know, it's just a reserve. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't mean freaks from Minto. I mean people who are... Uh, they love They Minto. love Minto, so they're freaks oh, for Minto. Yeah. For uh, Minto, not of, of Minto. No, we love Minto. Been there many times. Uh, you've got the the Bulldogs, just a reserve grade team. You've got the Wyong Roos. Yeah, okay, that, that could be. I'm not sure how they go up there, but that's yes. not a bad idea. Newtown Jets, of course. St. George Illawarra, just a reserve grade team. Mounties, that's just like a club, it's isn't it? It's just a league's club. That's just a league's club. <laughs> what's, what's that doing in there? I'm, I'm sure there's great people at Mounties, but, you know, the Panthers, once again, reserve grade. The Knights, just a reserve grade team. Bears, yes. Um, the Blacktown Workers, Seagulls, maybe. Once again, it's just a club. And uh, Wentworthville... Yeah, maybe. So, so you've got the Wentworthville Magpies and the Western Suburbs Magpies. There's two Magpies. Double up on Logan, yeah. double up on the Elmemblems there. So, so I just think we could reimagine it and make it into something better. If, if, the, if the Illawarra Steelers could mm. come into the New South Wales Cup and reinstate Stanley, I think his name was, that, that, oh, that's Steeler, the, the, ast- yeah. the astronaut-looking yeah. fella, I would lose. I would go bananas. Yeah. I, would, I would be down at Dapto, like the, the Dapto showground, wherever, <laughs> it was, wherever it would be they'd play, and yeah. I'd be watching because I think that would be a fantastic... Feet. Excuse my ignorance, but who are the Illawarra Cutters then? I think they were. The thing yeah. about the New South Wales Cup is there's like a revolving door of teams. The teams changing their names and right. they come and go. Okay. Um, so yeah, the Illawarra Cutters were named that through a sponsorship deal. So their principal sponsor wanted them to be called the Cutters. I guess they're, spo- they're some to do with metalworks or yeah. something down the south coast. And then that sponsorship ended. And so because of that, there was actually talk about reinstating that St George Illawarra second tier team as the Illawarra Steelers but these, uh, I hear rumblings that the St George Illawarra St George um, heavies didn't like, they didn't like that they didn't like that they wanted no. to keep that St George Illawarra branding consistent throughout oh. the territory oh. to, they didn't want to potentially have people realise that they used to be a Steelers team and that St George ate them <laughs> <laughs> well not to get too far off topic if there is one but uh, what do, how do we feel progressive-wise about teams changing their name for a sponsorship deal? Like, how confusing is that for your average punter out there if you're mm. going to keep changing your name to tie in with whoever happens to be sponsoring you? Well, I mean, that's uncool. And it's, it's pretty anti-progressive, I would say. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm not for it. But I also understand the commercial realities that we live in. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I condone it. Oh, am I going to label it unprogressive? 
Well, is it progressive to let yourself go bankrupt and have no club at all? I don't know. Anyway, maybe we should park that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put that in the car park. But commercial integration has to stop somewhere, I think, mm. with these sponsorships. So, uh, if, the, uh, if Vodafone ever dropped their sponsorship of the Warriors, I won't know what they're called. <laughs> that's right. That's true enough, I suppose. Did you give us your reflection yet, Al? No, I know we I have not. <laughs> We've been stuck on Jono's. <laughs> Sorry, John, went on a while, didn't I? Jono's <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, so I'll, I'll keep mine mine brief and um, uh, nowhere near as deep. Uh, but I, my reflection is, is the double header in New Zealand. Uh, I just think that kind of marketing initiative is um, is really. I think progressive, and I think mm. it's a really good. Um, just a You're really always good... going for like marketing and like corporate commercial. I mean, this is, this is great. I'm just I'm just sensing a pattern here. John, are you fired up today, mate? Is everything all right? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm interrupting again. <laughs> Sorry, back to you, Big Al. Um, yeah, I just think I think that those kind of double headers are a really good initiative um, from the game and for the clubs. All the clubs got on board, and the fact that the crowd really embraced it. So it was the highest. I mean, I know that the performance of the Warriors has a lot to do with it, mm. but it was the the highest attendance at Mount Smart. I think you know probably since for a good couple of years. I don't know if it, was, if it was a sellout, but if you saw the rain before the kickoff of the first match, it was pelting down. It was terrible, terrible weather, and the Warriors faithful still came out. I think it just shows that there's, like, that, that, that line that was trundled out a couple of years ago about the right, the right game in the right venue at the right time just says that, bang, if you get it all right, yep. that, you get great results. Uh, and would your positive feelings about that New Zealand experience have anything to do with the other game that was going on there at that time? Uh, no, not at all. I, I, I'm, I'm often accused of seeing the world through black and gold and white glasses. Um, but no, I, I purely from a purist point of view, I thought it was a fantastic initiative. I'd like to see more of it. Yeah, very good. All right, well, my, my reflection is probably a question to you guys, mm. uh, and it revolves around Nathan Brown's comments sure so uh, i guess my question to you is can two wrongs make a right because what we have here is uh someone we've identified as very unprogressive wayne bennett having a dig at nathan brown's coaching and what nathan brown's tried to do at the knights since wayne bennett left to put it euphemistically Mm. or screwed it over to put it (laughs) un-euphemistically so Wayne Bennett's had his little dig, and Nathan Brown has just come back with a fiery personal attack, you know, basically uh, commenting on Wayne Bennett's sack work while at the Knights. Wow. Um, So, firstly, what do you think of Nathan Brown taking it up to that personal level in response to what is essentially a professional criticism? Yeah. And does it make it okay if you uh, get personal with someone who's unprogressive and therefore not good for the game (laughs) well look what i would say is i love a good rugby league feud i mean it's it's great theater and uh, it's entertaining as long as it doesn't get to you know the tonya harding nancy kerrigan uh level where you know you don't want anyone kneecapped or anything but But, if it's you know sorry sorry would you say that he was emotionally kneecapped though you're absolutely <laughs> poor guy. I, I think you're giving way too much credit to to Wayne Bennett here, in, in that his comments weren't entirely professionally focused. There was a, there was a lot of a personal dig in that as well. He basically said that Nathan Brown is coming here and and um, he took the place apart when it didn't need to be because um, you know, for egotistical reasons or whatever. But I think the comment that Nathan Brown made is incredibly progressive because I love 
I'd love color in press conferences. Like how often, how how rare is that? You yeah. never you never get anybody saying anything that's not standard. Like oh, full credit to the boys, and we try the hardest, want to get the two points. Or a wins about refereeing. They're a great team, whatever. He came out and he was like, I'm not copping that. Bam, bam, bam. There you go. And and then like with a smile and a nod to the local Newcastle press as well as like, there's your fantastic soundbite. Thank you very much. Mic drop. Nathan Brown. You legend. He I did, love it. He did mic drop too, didn't he? He just yeah. went, they'll do you, and yeah. got up and left. But, like, I I can't feel bad about it. That's a start. Mm. But do we want our coaches being that unprofessional? Like, yes. Yeah, my answer, the short answer is yes. Big Al? <laughs> well, I, I, again, I, I like, I've already made my, my, my feelings about it clear, and then I loved it. I don't think it was unprofessional at all. I, I thought that um, Wayne Bennett called into question Nathan Brown's uh, judgment uh, as a person and as a coach, and he slapped him down and said, "Mate, you know, well, glass you know, houses, stones, that sort of thing." Yeah, new coaches though they love the old five-year plan, don't they? Just to give them a bit of time, just in case you know things don't go right initially. So maybe Wayne Bennett was just giving a slight little critique to those coaches who you know say, "Oh, look, uh, this place is like a basket case. I need five years. Give me time," because uh, obviously. Boards can be quite fickle sometimes. Yeah, you had big back-ended deals, though, that, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that happened to um, sort of come to fruition after he left. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I can agree there, Al. I, I, I think, um, I think uh, although, again, I'm conflicted because I liked it. I loved it. Yeah. But he did go from kind of level one to, to, to fifth gear, yeah. to mix metaphors slightly there. Zero to 100 in yeah, yeah. Um, But, you know, listeners, tell us what you think. Facebook. Twitter or at progressive RL or lower case at outlook.com. Do, um, do we know if Brisbane play Newcastle again this year? I hope the answer is yes, because that is going to just be a fantastic showdown. Yeah. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, all right. Well, that there are. Refle- oh, I, no. have, I have one more reflection. Oh, if sorry, we have yeah. time, we can cut this out later. Of course, good. we have time. We have time <laughs> for you, Jono. Now, going back to crowds, you mentioned crowds in New Zealand, Big Al. I had another reflection that revolves around um, the Parramatta Penrith crowd on the weekend. Mm. This is a, a local derby, and sure, Parramatta had lost four, their four, first four games, and and Penrith, uh, you know, there wasn't their home ground. But to only get ten thousand people at that that ground yesterday for a um, local derby, local derby on a Sunday afternoon, it begs the question: Rugby league, they don't do local derbies very well, do they? I mean, it's only a big game if both clubs are going well. And that's, um, I remember a few years ago, Souths and Roosters were both going well, and that local derby, it was huge back then. But as soon as one club's not going so well, it just, it just falls by the wayside. And I hate to bring up other sports, Big Al, because I know you don't like it. But if you look at um, your English Premier Leagues, your AFLs, local derbies are massive no matter where those clubs are on the table. So I don't know what the answer is, why um, our local derbies tend to suck in comparison but I looked at that game yesterday. I was quite embarrassed. And as a Parramatta fan, I have to stand up. I wasn't there. Uh, I was amongst the many thousands of Parramatta fans uh, who weren't there. And maybe we should look in the mirror. I'm looking in the mirror right now, and I'm not liking what I'm seeing. I'm not liking it one bit. Besides those sideburns, I'm quite happy with those. But other than that, not happy. you got some Tresemme on those. They look beautiful. <laughs> Um, it's a bit hard, though, in Premier League for it not to be a local derby, given the whole country is the size of Illawarra Cutters yeah, catchment well, area. No, well, I mean, I'm, I'm giving you an example. Liverpool versus Everton, which was on 
on the weekend. Everton are going horribly, Liverpool are going uh, very well, and as usual, it's a massive event, it's a massive game, no matter where those respective clubs are on the table. I think... Um I know this this comes this gets rolled out as a a reason. I don't want to say excuse, but mm. a reason for for challenges with crowds for, with NRL. It's it's like it's got a lot to do with Sydney. Sydney is difficult to get around. It's you it's it's hard to like getting from Penrith to Homebush. That's a fair distance at 4 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon when the game's going to finish at six yeah. on Sunday when you got to go to work the next day and then factor in all that kid stuff as well. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. So, like, in my rule, when it comes to public transport, any more than one transfer, yeah. that the system has failed you. No right. matter where it is, you have to go. You're the system go, has you're, failed you. You're never and that going means to then. that exactly as soon as you get to Homebush and you have to change at Lidcombe, oh. forget, forget about it. That, the system has listen, failed you. For our international listeners, ugh, changing at Lidcombe painful. <laughs> Please. Uh, so. Yeah. Okay. There, there is. There definitely is something that needs to be. And you know, I think a lot of it's got to do with we as a as a community need to encourage people to to know to realise that mm. um, if you don't go to the game, uh, you're not supporting the team like as well as you could. So you, you a lot of people think they would say like I used to work, I used to work with somebody. Um, who was a massive Bulldogs fan. Mm. And they'd be like, what are you doing this week? And I'm going to watch the footy. I'm like, okay, cool, are you going? Like, no, I'm going to the pub. I'm not going to the game, the ground. Are you crazy? But they still consider themselves a, like a, a massive, avid fan. Mm. And we need to make, like, make that, have people make that mental step that, oh, actually, if I think I really am a real fan, like a real supporter of the team, I need to go there and be there to support them or to share in the victory and the heartbreaking losses as well. Yeah, I, I think we rugby league fans are an especially fickle bunch. And I think this is where the education of progressive rugby league has to come in, where we remind people that winning is secondary. So you notice when, when, when teams start losing straight away, people don't turn up. Parramatta only lost up until the weekend, four games in a row, sure, and they performed quite poorly. But to have the crowds just fall off so dramatically, that's an especially fickle... Uh, market there so we've got our education to do guys and it's just mm. at the beginning it's a, it's a journey but we've got to remind the rugby league uh, public that winning is secondary and progressive rugby league yeah maybe the Mounties are playing at the same time yeah, hopefully exactly that didn't right. take some uh, bums off seats there Mounties versus the workers club alright well Let's get into the mailbag here, fellas. And straight off the bat, I just want to tell you that I've got a new theme for the mailbag because, um, well, my personal opinion correlates with some feedback that we've had that it's a completely shiteful theme song. I loved it, but... I sure. wrote that theme song. Thank you very much. <laughs> Composed by Big Al. <laughs> Big Al. Got out the xylophone. <laughs> Transport infrastructure is your speciality, <laughs> not, not melody. So um, I've had a crack at another theme song. And look, if you guys don't like this one, then, you know, we might end up having a new theme song every couple of weeks for this mailbag. But let's have a crack and have a listen to this. People have questions. People have thoughts. They write into us. We try to answer them. PRL Mailbag. It's the PRL Mailbag. Well, what do you think, fellas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sure. I, I mean, it might grow on me, I think. Don't sit on the fence. That was fantastic. Where did <laughs> well, you get that from? Did you write that? 
Oh, look, the slug has many talents. Oh, and um, Hats off to you, sir. That was a masterpiece. I have a rule. I have to listen to things three times before I make a judgment. No, not me. I know what I like, and All I right. like that. Well, I don't know. I feel fairly justified. And, you know, people out there who didn't like the other theme, hopefully this one um, appeals to you slightly more. Uh, I've crapped on about the mailbag theme enough, I think. Let's get into these uh, questions. And I threw... I'm going to say I threw the, the, the suggestion out there again on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Mm. Um, you know, give people a little nudge and don't forget your friends at Progressive Rugby League. We We're waiting for you. your questions. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Steve Reelman can take a break for a week. Thanks again, Steve. Yeah. He did say, do you want, to, do you want, to, do you want me to chime in this way? I said, Relax. Hit, hit the bench, Steve. I've got a couple other questions. You come in another day. Um, and so I've actually got two questions from one person here, a, a, a mysterious character called Matt Nhu, who um, answered the question on the Facebook page. So um, he's got two questions here, and I'm going to put them to you now. Uh, quite simply, golden point rule. Mm. Progressive or not? I would say no, it's not. Uh, the way it is at the moment, as soon as it gets into golden point, we go into a field goal-a-thon. And there's not really any entertaining rugby league going on. If the rule changed to golden try, all of a sudden we've got a whole new ball game, ladies and gentlemen. Golden try, I love that idea. Yeah, so the idea of golden tries, you can still kick field goals and penalty goals, but the game is only ended with a try. So I think uh, if you if we're going to go golden try, we're going to have to go one step further. So uh, using your example where you, the try shuts the game down, but you can still kick penalty goals and field goals, mm. what happens if somebody kicks three penalty goals for six points, but somebody scores a try for four and wins the game? It's yeah. If, if you're going to go golden try, you've got to shut off no no field goals, no penalty goals. Oh, you can't have that. Or else you've got constant uh, interference and. Well, no, but every, you still get penalties, but you just can't have a shot at goal. Oh. Otherwise, like this, this is the conundrum that the the, the golden point well, has brought about the game. The, it is it is a conundrum. It's a good point, but tries should always, um, you know, trump. Tries penalty goals. Satisfied. That's right. Just thought of that, fellas. Thank That's you very pretty much. Good. Yeah. I think the issue with golden try is though that each half of extra time is going to have to go for forty minutes as well, just to. Oh no! <laughs> you still sure. have the, the ten-minute limit, uh, and look, if after ten minutes they've only scored a penalty goal or a field goal, then that team wins. But if a try scored any time in that ten minutes, it's game over and Progressive Rugby League is the winner. Well, without getting into the specifics of, of, of potential uh, you know, situations with the Golden Try will bring about, in answer to the question, is it progressive? I would say, uh, yes, in fact, it is. Now, not the execution of it, but the idea of it. And this, <laughs> oh, is, because, no, 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 and this is purely because one thing that I, that I think Rugby League has above mo all other sports is its ability to continually evolve and change. So I'm talking big things like bringing in a six-tackle rule. You know, I'll go right back to the beginning of taking two players off the field, mm. breaking away and uh, letting the players earn money. Sounds pretty revolutionary <laughs> to me as well. But Golden Point is just another addition to the game, changing to suit its environment. It's not perfect. I personally think we could do without it, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy with a draw. Um, oh, but uh, at times when I'm not emotionally invested and I get to watch Golden Point, it is thrilling stuff. Yeah, let's agree to disagree on that one. Golden try for me. I've just had a, an idea then, too, and tell me what you think of this. Mm. To eliminate the need for extra time or any kind of golden scenario, mm. what if in the last 20 minutes of regular time 
no penalty goals allowed, right. no field goals allowed. Wow. It still might be a draw, though. You still it still might, might be a draw. Uh, uh, what I mean is eliminate the need for as many uh, golden scenarios. But what do you? that is a... That's uh, radical. That's an invitation for progressive rugby league, isn't it? In oh, the last it is. 20 minutes of a game. Yeah, I quite like it. A separate, a separate issue, I think it is, to uh, the golden point issue. But that would really promote, you know, air in the ball, you know, throwing it around, offloading. It would be pretty exciting. Although there will be drawbacks with uh, repeated infringements because you know you can't get punished. I can still be binned. You just can't take goals. I I think all those extra time where uh, one scoring play decides a game, it puts too much pressure on the whole thing. Like The the decision makers and referees, uh, the players, and therefore it ruins everything. So the play gets sloppy. It's just random field goal attempts and the refs don't call anything. We usually don't call anything Mm. because they're worried about making a game-defining call. It's um, yeah. Let's put it on the table. Let's put it on the table, and we'll, uh, you know, let's not yeah, cancel right. it out. I'll, I'll, fire, a off a, I'll sure. fire off a uh, email to NRL headquarters with that. Sounds Just, you good. know, here's my idea. Give it a go. Let's so, do it. Love the slug. <laughs> um, second part of Matt and Hare's question is, which player of the past 30 years do you feel was the most progressive? Uh, wow. He says that, may I suggest Alan Langer? Because he never took the two points and never went for a field goal. He was like a quick tap master, really, wasn't he? Yeah, that's a good question, Matthew. Mm. Um, what do you think, Big Al? Do you want to go first so on this I've, one? I've had, a, um, I've had a, you know, a couple of seconds to think about this. Um, and unfortunately, my, uh, you know, my thoughts on it were really going to be limited to say like, the last 10 years when I had a really keen eye on what sure. players were doing. So I apologise for that. I'm going to be putting a bit of a millennial lens on it, uh, unfortunately. But I think to say like, which is the ultimately the most progressive player, I can't really do that. But I can break it down into three categories of what I think makes a progressive player. Sure. Or what, yeah, so <laughs> you've got growth of the international game. Yep. Overall uh, attitude and behaviour. Okay. And then uh, how they've affected the style of play. Mm. Wow. So uh, there's not one player that's affected all of these categories um, to the maximum. Yep. Uh, however, there is individual players for each category. So I'd say in terms of uh, affecting the international game, there's probably two candidates, and they're both recent ones, current players, Jason Tomalolo for his defection to uh, oh, yeah. during the World Tom Cup. Up. Sure. Uh, and James Graham, the passion that that man shows for the English jersey yeah. uh, and the fact that he's openly out there uh, saying he wants to do everything he can to play in the, the, the disputed test in Denver, mm-hmm. um, I think is we, we need more players to openly come out and, and declare their, their love for wearing their, uh, their nation's strip. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of how they've affected play, I'm going to be accused of bias here, but it's got to go to Benji Marshall. Okay. When he burst onto the scene, the stuff he was doing in 2004, 5 and 6, it changed the way teams attacked and it, well, not only that more importantly it changed the way kids like would muck around and play in the backyard mm. and it's it's it and some would say it probably changed the 20s competition <laughs> like to be just a, an attack a bit too much but i think the the legacy that he's put on the game in the way um yeah the way teams attack uh can't be underestimated well it brought uh, the fi- the flick pass into vote say, yeah. yeah i mean flick progressive pass. rugby but, league but we support the, flick the, pass the stuff like chipping on the third and all that sort of things the things yeah. that, that he was lamented for like are actually parts of, of the, chucking it around that's what yeah, exactly. please that's benji's middle name it's benji chucking around marshall yeah that's right well i mean who can forget the 2005 premiership and that was uh, a boon for progressive rugby league but there was 
a, a countenance to that in the following years where... Well, they know, worked it out. They worked it out, <laughs> and it was some ugly rugby league in the following years. Yeah, that yeah. Brisbane 2006 Premiership, ugh. Yeah, horrible <laughs> stuff. Uh, and finally, just in, in general uh, attitude, and this is kind of such a vanilla response, but to me it's Cooper Cronk. Wow. Um, the way he carries himself uh, on the field and off the field, um, I think, is, is, is very, very progressive. So, yeah, very, very worthy nominations there. Mm. For me, uh, obviously, I'd like to remind our listeners uh, the pillars of progressive rugby league. Obviously, one is how it's played on the field. Uh, entertain me. You know, life is short. The other is what you stand for, what the game stands for. So in terms of entertaining on the field, I will go a bit further back uh, than Big Al, I'm a bit older, I'm from the, uh, the old school. And I remember a player called Phil Blake. And he was a guy... I was sick of Phil Blake. He was a guy... As soon who, as he said chip. Oh, chip, <laughs> loved the chip and chase. And was one of the more entertaining players of all time. So, Phil Blake, I salute you. Another one uh, that I can think of just off the top of my head was Daryl Tricky Trindle. He loved the chip oh, and chase. Yes, he was a very yes. entertaining player. I just remember that, that giant billowing uh, oh, jersey yeah. back, in the, back in the day before the... Those massive shoulder movies, pads, yeah. yeah. Oh. And, you know, a pretty cool nickname, Tricky. I'm and, not sure if it had anything to do with his rugby league prowess, but, I mean... memory serves, he had one killer rat's tail as well. Yeah, I think yeah. there was a period of that. Oh, yeah. So that, I'd say, they're my progressive rugby league uh, players of the last 30 years on the field for that pillar of progressive rugby league of entertain me. Um, in terms of the, you know, what you stand for off the field, I'm going to go with former Canberra legend Alan Tung. Alan oh. Tung. He is the oh, he is fantastic. the ACT Australian of the Year 2017, and he has is not only a was a great player and uh, a great speaker, but he's now like a motivator. He runs these yeah, um, yeah mentoring courses for mm. young people, uh, telling them that uh, you know violence is wrong and yep. and how to aspire to be something better. So, so Alan Tung has a lot of speaking gigs. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's right. Can you believe it? He, he does. That's that. Like, I'm really disappointed with myself for not saying Alan Tung instead. I'm changing mine to be Alan. No, you Tung. can't. That's right. <laughs> that, that is a, That's just the yeah. Hey, no, that's no, off it's to not you. a competition. Anything anyone brings up <laughs> is a team effort. Well, I'd like to say to Alan Tung, we at Progressive Rugby League headquarters, we salute you. Yes, we do. Uh, we we want to speak to you. We want to speak to Steve Mascord. That's right. Anyone who wants to come along, Phil Blake. Phil Blake, yeah. Um, I'm going to throw Cliffy Lyons in the mix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cliffy Lyons. Um, yeah, look, uh, uh, just always, always on the hunt. Always on the hunt for a hole. Always on the hunt for an opportunity. Um, he, he played the game at his own pace, didn't he? Like, everyone played the game at his pace. You know, once the ball got into Cliffy's hands, no one knew what was happening. What a legend. Yeah. And I had another one, but I've forgotten it. Damn. Uh, because I, I started thinking about Alan Tung. So... <laughs> When Alan Tung enters the mind, all, all other thoughts disappear. Thank uh, you, Matt and Hugh. They were, they were two yeah, very good questions. Good questions. Thank you, sir. And uh, secondly, our mate from Canada, Jay. Jay's so, um, back. Jay's back. He's Good asked us another question, not Canadian-related no. or Super League-related. He's asking about PNG Rugby League. Oh, what would you like to know, Jay? Uh, he just wants to know how PNG have improved their national team over the last few years. Um, and he adds, is it time to put in a Fiji team? I think he must be talking about the uh, Hunters Hunters yeah. in the Intrust Cup in Queensland. So I think it's, I mean, it's easily forgotten at times that uh, Papua New Guinea do complete in that Queensland mm. uh, competition. Um, I had a look. They're not firing yet this season, really. They've had two wins and three losses from their five games so far, but 
But what do you guys think? Is, is rugby league in Papua New Guinea developing at a speed that you think is appropriate for for um, their resources and talent up there? And has um, Papua New Guinea's entry into the Queensland competition opened the door for the rest for other nations like mm. Fiji, other island nations, and so on to to get into Australian competitions? Yeah, well, that's a very good question, Jay. It opens up really a can of worms. Uh, but I would like to say, I think Fiji, uh, Papua New Guinea have done. You know, I think they're improving. Last year, that they won the Queensland Cup, which is huge for them. Yeah. And um, I think they lost in the playoff with the New South Wales Cup winner, but that was an enormous achievement. They had a pretty good World Cup. I think they lost in the quarterfinals to yeah. England. I think that, that I think it was their most successful World Cup. I yeah. Okay. They, they, I don't think they've been particularly um, yeah successful on the world stage. Yeah. So I think there is improvement there. Should we uh, allow other Pacific Island nation teams to? compete in the lower grade competitions absolutely Fiji why not have a Fijian team in the New South Wales Cup for instance I'm sure like we were saying earlier that would be a great addition to that competition yeah. well the Fiji there's an official bid to have the have Fiji included in the New South Wales Cup I think led by Petro Seveniceva oh. um, and it's a it's a real talking point I think I think they've actually secured funding from the Fijian government there's there's some movement on that good um, and I, I think it's a distinct possibility you know next season maybe the season after it, it's most likely going to happen. I, I think. think things happen quickly in rugby league because I just came up with that idea half an hour ago. <laughs> I mean, fantastic. But when you've got uh, when you've got fellas like Kevin Aguama weeping at the national anthem, oh, that, was that just shows passion. And where there's passion, mate, bring him in. Yeah. Well, Jared Hayne was had tears as well. Were they yeah, genuine? Come on, <laughs> we really trust the tears of Jared Hayne. Let's. Uh... And I think it's it's also a very interesting idea to have a competition that has a whole country mm. up against a few kind of streets in a suburb of Sydney. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you've got the New Zealand Warriors already doing that in the first grade, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you've got to take into account, you know, the third world developing nations, and I think we, we need to help them uh, as much as we talking can. talking about Newtown now? Or? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I, I think it's but, good. But back on PNG, like, to, to get it a bit serious, if, if you... I mean, I've, I've never been there, but you, you hear, you see the footage, you hear the stories about how mm. passionate that country is about rugby league. And, yeah, we all try out the line. It's the only country in the world where the rugby league is the official sport, blah, blah, blah. But the potential that the game of rugby league has to change lives in that country is, like, it's second... It, the, the potential there to make a huge difference, it's just right there. Mm. The game just has to give it a little bit of a push. And if you see, like, the, the, the way the game can inspire others in... You know, less than um, less than ideal circumstances. Mm. It just goes to show the power of the game, and what the game can do for people in that country is phenomenal. The PNG story is the story that progressive rugby league fans and rugby league fans in general—that's the story they should be most proud of. Just the, like you say, Big Al, the effect that PNG rugby league has on the nation, and mm. it brings them all together. This is a nation of thousands of different tribes and languages. This yeah. is not. Uh, not a place, a part of the world that's easy to bring together and to unite. So uh, a game like Rugby League doing that is something we should be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thanks, Jay, for for questions there. And, look, this mailbag segment's catching on fire. That's Thank you, two, Jay. That's amazing. Look, at, Two people have asked us questions this week. I've got a question for Jay while we're at it. Jay, I don't know if you have connections. I don't know you. I don't know if you have connections with the great Mr. Eric Perez and the sugar daddy of Toronto Wolfpack, whose name I've forgotten. But can you ask them if, if they make the Super League this year slash next year, can they play a game in Australia? I think that would be 
incredibly progressive and be incredibly successful. You could play it. There's so many parts of the world, uh, parts of Australia that would welcome the Toronto Wolfpack. We saw Super League play a game in Wollongong. I'm thinking maybe, you know, Mudgee. Uh, I don't know, uh, Albury, or even Sydney. I mean, oh, put I, it on in if Sydney. You're gonna, if you're going to put it on somewhere, it has to be Brisbane, right? Because you've got to make sure you want to have like a rugby league hungry audience and we know they're all sitting in Brisbane. Well, I mean, um, I, I think, though, the Wolfpack is the sort of club and brand that would be very attractive to all rugby league audiences, including progressive rugby league audiences across the inner city, maybe Newtown. What about Newtown versus Toronto? Oh. <laughs> well, so you know what we've got to do here is we've got we've got Eric Perez, Sugar Daddy Number One. We need to get uh, Jason Moore involved. So he's the, he's the he's a promoter. He's organised the Denver Test, oh, and he's also bankrolling the twenty. 2020 or 2021 Rugby League World Cup in, in America? 2025, I think 2025, Ooh, yeah. look at me. Um, yeah. So we need, to get, we need to connect Perez with Jason Moore, and I think for good measure to get a third sugar daddy in there, we've got to get um, Marwan Kukash, oh, the, ex, the ex, yeah. ex-benefactor of the Salford Red Devils. So he's, yeah. since he's exited the game, I think he's handed over the Red Devils to a community, community. trust or something, yeah. but I know he's still hungry to get in there. He's, he's got a passion for the game. He does. He loves and it. And he, he doesn't mind funding loss-making activities. He's shown that with the, uh, with the old Red Devils. Yeah. Um, in fact, I hear, <laughs> I, hear that, sure. I hear that Marwin's thinking of um, setting up a Cumbrian, or has a dream to set up a Cumbrian-based Super League side um, sure. for, you know, for the disparate uh, league communities in the north of England. Uh, so there you go. He's hungry He's a for visionary. It. He's a visionary. And I think third sugar daddy's a potential good title for this episode of Progressive Rugby League, don't you think? Progressive Rugby League. Well, it's time for the Progressive Rugby League podcast world updates. Big Al. World updates. All right, so I'm going to keep these sharp and sweet, but in the the land of, of... The baguette. That was probably a non-progressive label for me to put there. I take that back. In France, uh, we all know we're a big... You can discriminate against bread. <laughs> Do you know that the baguette was invented by Napoleon so that the, um, the soldiers could put, uh, carry bread in their pants? Yeah, I have heard that. Oh, I, was, I think true, it's an but... urban myth, but oh, okay. anyway. Not too many tangents, you said? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Toulouse. Uh, Toulouse are doing well. So they've just come off a 50-4 hiding of the Barrow Raiders. Um, and uh, so that means they're currently sitting equal second in the championship. So that's very, very good. Uh, and, of course, uh, French-Canadian, uh, the Toronto Wolfpack, have just uh, narrowly beaten the Batley Bulldogs 26-18, which means, looking in the championship ladder, we've got the Toronto Wolfpack outright first. Wow. And then we've got Toulouse Olympique. And uh, Featherstone vying it out. They're battling out for second place, so equal second there. And then, of course, the beloved London Broncos are sitting in fourth position. So the top four positions in the Kingston Press Championship looking pretty good. This is almost the progressive rugby league ideal scenario over there, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Oh, look, I, I tell you, Toronto, they're one step closer to that my dream game of them bringing a home game to Australia. If they can make it the Super League, oh, it's, if, it's very if Toronto, all, need, all Toronto need to do to guarantee this to happen mm. is to get promotion to the Super League, win the Super League, and then World Club Challenge. Oh, oh that's a guarantee. World yeah. Club yeah. Challenge. What, what's that, two years away? Are we calling two yeah, years? Yeah. Two years away. You heard it here first. Toronto 2020. <laughs> all right. 
Um, well, um, anything else there, Al? I do. Just some, some big news I wanted to share with our audience. So uh, the Cameroon Rugby League kicks, <laughs> off, kicks off this week. Wow. This is the first season of Rugby League in Cameroon. That is uh, So it's kicking off with a doubleheader on Saturday the 14th in uh, Yaoundé, which is the capital of Cameroon, uh, with four teams competing, uh, Tauria Rugby League, uh, Institute Petu Rugby League, um, Black Boys Rugby League, which is a team based in Doula. That's their actual name. Don't look at me like that. And Babaju Rugby League. So, Oh, good luck. There you go. And I know, I know we're running over, but I just want to like to share with you a quote from the chairman of the Cameroon Rugby League. Please. Cameroon Rugby League 13 president Samuel Tayu said, The stage is set. Rugby League will be officially played in Cameroon, including women's rugby. Wow. The CRLA 13 will realise the dream of many young people to discover, play and interact through Rugby League. We are committed to it on behalf of the youth of our country. The sport is an interactive platform promoting cultural diversity and education. We are looking forward to working alongside all our partners and others, including the Ministry of Sports and Physical Education. Now, friends. You can't see this, listeners, but we're standing and applauding. Is Cameroon the most progressive rugby league nation on earth? That is inspirational stuff. Stand aside, Perez. (laughs) Yeah, we we have a new PRL golden boy. Yeah. Um, Well done. Thank you for that. Samuel Tayu, there. Take a bow. Oh, God. Cameroon rugby league. I'd also like to add one other thing. He's not afraid of using the term rugby to describe rugby league, which I think we should save this for another episode, but I think the game in Australia has let the rugby union take ownership of that word, and yep. we should take it back. You want to take it back? Yeah, well, that, that would be a battle, but probably a worthy one, mm. I would say. I'm up for it. Let's smack into our final segment for the evening, or morning, or whenever you happen to be listening. Uh, the PRL progressive moment of the week. Jono, hit us with it. Well, my progressive moment of the week comes in the form of a team, a UK Super League team, the Widness Vikings. Well done, Widness. Uh, they have a program at the moment called Beat the Scrum, which has been incredibly successful. And what Beat the Scrum is, it's about promoting um, how to use the NHS, the National Health Service in England, which is the public health service. Right. And so they've, got, they've combined with the NHS in an education program to tell people the best ways, when to use the emergency and accident rooms of the NHS. Don't overuse them when you've just got a, a, the sniffles. Don't go there. So they've had a whole education piece, and together with uh, the NHS, they've helped to reduce uh, admissions to A&E rooms by 7%. Just really? Really? They have. Can you believe it? So, like, the health officials in that part of England are just loving rugby league and loving witness and, and really thankful for the education. So, obviously, public health is a big progressive pillar. So to witness Vikings... I say, I salute you. <laughs> Job well done. Again, well done. rugby league changing lives in so many different ways. What a Absolutely. game. What a game. I, I wouldn't, I just, I don't know. You, there's so many things happening under the surface in rugby league that you just, until it's got that spotlight on it, mm. you just don't, uh, don't realise how many great and worthy things are happening. The blue light. We should call this segment the rugby league blue light. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to chime in with my moment before I throw to Al. My progressive moment of the week is the Sharks-Roosters game this week, and this is a perfect example of why more clubs should be listening to our progressive rugby league message. Mm-hmm. At the start of that game, Sharks were all over the Roosters. Yeah, They were dominating. They had field position. They looked pretty ready to score a try. Got a penalty. Mm-hmm. 
and took the two points. You can't see this, listeners, but I just vomited. (laughs) Now, what happened then was they got their two points, but then Roosters kicked off, Sharks were down the arse end of their territory again, and then struggled to get out of it. All their momentum's lost, and Roosters basically dominated for the rest of the game. So that that was a very, very noticeable turning point and when when's the message going to get through look it's an it's a it's a journey what can i say like we're in this uh to let the rugby league world know the right and progressive (laughs) way to play rugby league and and it we have spoken about it before but it is a virus that's infecting the game penalty goals it's sickening there's way too many even in like the the storm are taking penalty goals and they're losing uh, Parramatta and Penrith, there were a few penalty goals. I don't like it one bit. I think what you'll see, like a virus, it, it, eventually it will fade. I think right now we're at the peak of the fever. Yep. And I think you'll see it wear off. Uh, it'll slow down throughout this season. And I think next season, I, I think instances of the early two oh, will be few and far between. I hope you're right. Mm. And sorry to bring him up again, but we all know who started it. Bloody Wayne. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Um, when I say that's my progressive moment of the week, obviously that's not a progressive thing. But the progressive part of it is that it's such a blatant display of unprogressiveness that hopefully it'll oh, be yeah. a beacon onto others about how to <laughs> play the game. The blue light. Big Al. Buddha's <laughs> <laughs> home, Big Al. Uh, so my progressive moment of the week uh, is courtesy of one uh, Philip Gould. So in the mainstream media um, on, I can't remember what show it was, but on one of the footy panel shows on Channel 9 brought up the topic of International Rugby League mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to State of Origin and just said the International Rugby League is the growth area of the game. He told quite a good story about when State of Origin was created, um, the game was totally Anglo, played in New South Wales and Queensland, and now that's not the makeup of the game at all. It's the huge Pacifica... Um, indigenous, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Players not necessarily coming from New South Wales and Queensland, even if they are born in Australia. Mm-hmm. And that international rugby league is where is the growth area of the game, and the game needs to seriously focus on it. And I just really like seeing the international game put into the general uh, zeitgeist of uh, mainstream rugby league it, it, reporting in this country. It's good to hear such an influential voice. Mm. Whether we agree with him all the time or not is a different matter. But it's good to hear an in- influential voice promoting. Rugby League internationally. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say we could probably dedicate an episode at some point to Phil Gould and where his mean progressiveness yeah. sits <laughs> generally. That would be yeah, a, show. a formula and everything. Yeah. Yep. But that'll do us for this week. Thanks very much for listening. Get in contact Facebook, Twitter, progressiverl at outlook.com or lowercase. And some reviews, please, on your pod platform of choice. See you next week, fellas. Bye. Bye, all in Rugby League We Trust. Goodbye everyone, stay progressive.